All right, hey everybody, I'm Joe Murray, just sitting here. That's what we're going with. I've gone with, I started with Murray in place, and then I went with uh, just sitting there, and now we're going with just sitting here. So I'm going to actually update that uh, while we're here right now, and I'm going to do the little slang version of it, uh, just sitting here. And now you can find any episode that we've ever done, or I've ever done with everybody, uh, on Spotify. So search just sitting here right there. Boom. Search that. You can uh, find us on Spotify now. Uh, also on YouTube. So every single video can now be seen on YouTube. So you can watch all our, uh, all the interviews that we've done. Um, we're going to get a big show today. Matt McCarthy is going to be joining me in just a little bit. Today is uh, somewhat of a special day. Uh, if you remember back in 2013, we'll talk about that in just a little bit here. The NFL draft is a week away. Uh, next week's going to be a big week for the show. We're going to do a ton of draft coverage. Uh, we're going to do some Patriot stuff today as well. Uh, and some other just fun stuff. We'll get to learn uh, more about Matt McCarthy from 98.5, the sports hub in a bit. And last night, of course, was uh, the dark side of the ring. I've been doing a weekly uh, update on every show that they've been doing. And uh, I got an update on uh, last night's show as well. So you can use the chat feature to comment on the show. And like just somebody just, boom, Bruins Luchador in. Joe, what's up? Easy as that. You comment. I'll put you right up. And we can discuss anything uh, that you guys want to bring to the table today. Uh, and it's easy as that. So you're on Facebook Live, watching on Twitter as well. We are live at noon every day uh, here uh, on I'm just sitting here with Joe Murray. So let's bring in my guest for today. His name is Matt McCarthy. He is from 98.5 The Sports Hub. He is from the Hardcore Baseball Podcast as well. Hello, Matt. Welcome to I'm Just Sitting Here. Joe, I love the name. I, I have to say, if we can just get the the apostrophe in place of the G, that would be awesome. But no, seriously, I, I've been I've been following along since Murray in place to just sitting there. Now just sitting here. I am a, as they would say in sports talk radio, I am a first time long time. So yeah, no, it's, it's good to be here. And, and you're the first, I'm just sitting here. Too. You're the first just sitting here guest that we've had. So it's now all out oh, there, Matt. It's it's all over the universe now. Spotify, you name it, Facebook Live. So all your friends on Facebook can see it right now. Uh, I'll pull up the little banner so everybody can see. Uh, and I, I and I, I want to thank our friend Kristen for helping us out with this as well. Uh, I'll pull down the Woo. banner. But look, look at all the guys. There's Matt. There's Matt right there. We got Sean tomorrow and then Ryan Johnston. What's that? Serious. This thing is looking sharp. Like hey, the production. You like this? This is no bullshit. This is not. This is not some rinky dink operation here, Joe. This, this is, is definitely this not a rink. I, I, man, I got a lot of time on my hands. Uh, well, you're just here. <laughs> I, I am. I really, dude. I have a lot of time on my hands. So that's kind of what I've been doing, man. Like, just like you, you know, you do a podcast. You try to do it weekly. Trying to stay fresh. You have a guest on, and it's like, dude, it's a grind because you know you. We'll get to know you in a little bit, but. You work a full time job. You, ha you know, you put in the time on weekends, whether it's nights. Fuck any job that they offer, you're there. You know, you know what I mean. So, but, but, but it's hard, and dude, you like you drive a distance, you know, to the station and everything like that. So now, now that we have this time, I'm like, shit. You know, I want to go digital now. Like, I want to do more video. That's where everything's going, and you know, you get to see us, and you know, I love, you know, I get to do the background, and uh, you know, I like I like all that, and I just. 
you know, you can put a face to the name that you hear or a face to the voice. So this is something I've wanted to do for a while. I finally found the program I like. I learned how to do the banners. So, but but really what I want to do is like have guys that I have relationships uh, or guys that I want to get to know more that I like listening to or that I work with. Because, dude, like we work together. Like we've gone to mm-hmm. Patriots games and hung out at sporting events. But like weddings, you name it. Yeah, yeah exactly. But like, you know. We, you don't really get to talk about it on the radio, right? It's kind of right. like we have this yeah, 12 minutes to get your hot take in, and if nobody likes it, it's like, eh. Or, or hey, who who's this guy? You know what I mean? Like that. There's a lot of that. So this is why I wanted to do this. We're going to have different guys in from every week. We're starting with the sports hub, and uh, you know we're going to work our way down um, throughout. So I believe you're the, uh, the eighth guest that we've uh, had on the show here. And um, somebody's already checking. Have you checked out Crab Play? Uh, big fan of McCarthy already. Right. We're getting we people go. in uh, right off the bat here. But um, I will introduce Matt McCarthy. I believe you've been at the Sports Hub now for eight, how, how many years? Six oh, years, God. seven years? Seven years at this point. Seven years uh, as of this summer. So, yeah, I won the first ever Sports Hub uh, search for like a weekend talent uh, contest. Uh, which was a lot of fun. Like it's crazy. It's crazy to think it was it was really that long ago. And yeah, I mean, listen, I, I Boston born and bred. Uh, despite the fact that I don't necessarily have the accent, I've heard that from a few people. Like, where's your accent? You're not from here. No, I'm actually from here. Uh, born and raised uh, in the Boston area, uh, pretty much predominantly South Shore. So yeah, listen, you know, like this is this is like the world's coolest part-time gig, you know, like getting to talk about sports, like my God, who wouldn't, who wouldn't want to do this? Like, and, and it's a blast. And the first show I ever did, Joe was with you after, you know, winning the, I saw, I was on with Hardy the night that I won the contest, the night that Tim McCone and I got jobs at the station. And the first uh, show I ever did was with you because you're so easy to work with. So they're like, we're just going to put this noob on. We're going to put this guy who probably has no business being on this station on. We're going to put him on with Joe and we're going to see how it works. And for some reason, they've kept me seven years later. So, uh, but yeah, you'll always be the first person I did a sports radio show with. And uh, man, it was, uh, it was pretty cool. <laughs> so, Do you remember the game that we followed after? Yes, I do. Cincinnati. Actually. All right. So this was I think we were on right before Patriot season started. The first show we ever did. The, sh- the I think the second show we ever did ever did together was the Patriots loss in 2013 to Cincinnati when Nate Solder <laughs> on fourth and goal they put him in at tight end and they tried to throw a fade pass to Nate Solder and you and I lost our fucking minds <laughs> about three hours after that. Uh, Josh McDaniel being a monumental dumbass and Tom Brady trying to throw a fade pass to Nate Solder on the goal line. On fourth and inches, can you? Find, I still can't believe that. I, unbelievable, right? It was that was like the epitome of the Josh McDaniels experience. Like they were rolling there in good shape, and then all of a sudden they throw a ball to Nate Solder, a fade on the goal line. You're like, what the fuck just happened? And, and like to, to really go full circle here, the Patriots had a chance what three times in the playoff game to run the football in, and they couldn't this year. Get cute. And nor- normally they. F- they throw in that to Joe, or, or at least they want the ball in Tom Brady's hands at those times. We've gone full circle, but just that game in particular, though, it was raining. It was a real bad rain game. Brady sucked that day. Like, the storm came. The Pats trailed, and all of a sudden, it's like, here comes the storm. And the rain was the hardest, like, that final drive. And you're like, oh, it's still the Bengals. They suck. Right. Like, you know, And, like, it, it just didn't happen that day. But 
Uh, good memory on your part. I, I that's how I remember it. I remember us. It was like, what are we going to talk about? It's like that fucking pass to, to Nate Solder in the back of the end zone. Three hours it up. just went all day. It was yeah. for three for three for three straight hours uh, on the hot, hot take here. Um, so yeah, so Matt McCarthy um, was the winner of something that CBS was doing at the time, um, where they did a uh, they did events in the area. So people showed up to bars, and the way the Sports Hub did it, from what I remember, is um, they had people read headlines. So mm-hmm. like, who did who read the headlines the best? I don't know if they interviewed. What, like, what was the other process with that? All right, so here was the process. So they they you know had this. It, w- it was obviously a big you know public event. They went around to is either ten or twelve bars in Metro Boston. I think they even went up to New Hampshire and down to Providence too. And you signed up on the website. And basically you just, you got in line. So you went there and there were like 200 people at the Charlie horse in West Bridgewater when I went. So kind of a backstory behind this. I was, uh, I just gotten out of college. I graduated from Ithaca and I was up in Portland doing an internship with the Portland sea dogs. I thought I was going to go into baseball broadcasting. Uh, I don't know if you could hear that Slack chat. That's fine. Yeah, exactly. Like it's, it's my lunch break right now, but I'm still getting Slack chats. Um, So anyway, so I was up in Portland. I was calling baseball. I thought, this is what I'm going to do with my life. I'm going to just kind of ride the bus in the minor leagues for 20 years, kind of do like the Bob Sosi thing. Like Bob Sosi was a minor league baseball broadcaster for 20 years before he got obviously his huge break with the Patriots and, and has just done a fantastic job. That's what I thought I was going to do. I was home during our all-star break and I heard about this thing and I was like, screw it. It's a Friday night. I've got nothing going on. I've got no social life, whatever. I'm going to go out to this thing. I sat, I sat in line for two hours waiting to read John Wallach's headlines in front of a, a bar full of people who had heard 200 people before me get up there and read the sports hub headlines. We got Wallach's headlines from uh, from that morning. I can still remember Patrice Bergeron had just signed a seven-year contract extension, taking him through 2022 or whatever. So we got up there, we read the headlines, and then you left. It was nothing. I got up there. I thought I didn't even really do a good job. And I was like, I can't believe I just wasted two hours of my fucking life sitting in this line, just waiting to read the sports of headlines for 90 seconds in front of a bar full of people who have no interest in what the hell's going on. About two weeks later, I got an email from our old program director, Mike Thomas, saying, hey, congratulations. You're a semifinalist. Basically, what they did was they took one person from each of those bars, and I think it was 10, and they just picked how you sounded reading the sports sub headlines, and that's how they determined who was a semifinalist. So he said, hey, come on in, let's do an interview, you know, and then four people are going to advance the finals. So I went in, I had about a four-minute interview with Mike Thomas, and he's like, all right, cool, I'll give you, you know, like he had Chris Rucker, our old um, uh, promotions guy, give us a t- give me a tour, and then that was it. I was gone. I was like, well, shit, I fucked that up. Like, I'll never be on the sports app. I can't believe I went into this interview and totally fucked it up. Like four minutes. Like he's clearly not interested in me. <laughs> and then a day later, I got an email. Hey, congratulations, you're a finalist. Come to Hurricane O'Reilly's on uh, Canal Street this Saturday night, and you're going to try out. So I was like, holy shit, I-, I can't believe that happened. And what? And once I once I got past that moment of feeling like. I'll never do this. I was just so calm, cool, and collected going into that night. And I just had a blast. I was on with Hardy for 30 minutes. And for some reason, they gave me the job, uh, which was pretty cool. Was Tim McCona part of this, uh, your year? 
Yeah, Tim McCone was a part of it my year. Tim was a finalist uh, with me that year. And Tim tells just an amazing story. So (laughs) we had him on last week and he told it. Tim is Tim is one of the funniest guys. So as Tim, like I can't do it justice, but Tim went second. And there was a technical problem at, at Hurricanes that night. So you couldn't really hear people like up like the, the PA system wasn't working. So we could sort of hear the first person who went, but then the bar started to fill up. McCone went second. He went at 1030 and I couldn't hear anything he was saying. So I went third and McCone tells this great story. He's texting his buddies like, hey, how'd it go? And his friends are like, hey, man, you like that went really well. Like, you know, I think you're in good shape. And then McCone's so funny. It's like, I'm going. And then his buddies texted him like, dude, you don't have this. <laughs> he, so, said he, got wa- he said he got wasted too. He got like, totally, yeah, McCone, there might have been like an extra uh, round. Right. Yeah. <laughs> McCone got totally fucked up. And, uh, <laughs> and he had no idea, as nobody did, that if you won the contest at the end of the night, they were going to bring you back on the air, uh, which they did. Like I went back on the air for like five minutes, uh, you know, after midnight. So uh, I had, you know, I had, I was done at 1130. So I really didn't have time to get too slammed or anything like that. Mm. Plus I had a, a two hour drive back to Portland that night. Cause I was still living in Portland uh, at the time. Cause I was there for a few months calling baseball. So uh, yeah, so I won. It was great. I got back to my car and the air had been let out of my tires. For real? For real. For real. Air had been let out of my tires. Did you have to like call AAA and have them come in? Or did you drive on like your? your oh, rim? I so there was still there was still um one tire that had air in it, and I drove to a gas station. Over- Do you think it was McCone? So that's my theory. <laughs> He's a Worcester. I don't put anything by the Worcester kid, okay? No, no, absolutely not. You know, he grew up in Worcester. He knows how, you know, things work and everything. And, yeah, no, I've always said that that was Tim McCone who let the air out of my tires because he was pissed that I won the contest. Now, he still got a job at the station. So he I've did. Always, McCone did it right. I mean, here's the thing. McCone did the contest. He just got a job. I did the contest. I won. I'm forever like, Hey, you won that contest, right? Tim actually got in on like legitimate merits. I got in via some, you know, public search contest. McCone got in because they're like, this guy's good too. Screw it. Yeah. Let's bring this guy in. He did it right. If I knew, if I knew that they were going to hire, you know, the, the second or third place person, I don't know if I would have won the contest. McCone had it figured out. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Well, hey, now you guys are like, what, what's what's the name of the show when you guys are on together? Uh, McCarthy and McCone. I don't know. Is it like the Mick Brothers or the, yeah, uh, the, the Brothers, Mc, like McNuggets or something? I don't Mc know. Pinky and McBone. I don't yeah. know. Tim, there you go. Yeah, Tim. Tim is definitely one of my best friends at the station. We uh, we we love working together. It's and that's and every once in a while, you know, we've done a fair amount of shows together now, and we always like sharing that story. You know, from my perspective, like I, you know, I win the contest and he he thinks he's like not getting a job at the station. And of course, we end up in the exact same spot, which is awesome because I'm I'm such a huge fan of Tim and his work. He's like the funniest guy. Oh, at, dude, like, he's like, like 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 funny, but like doesn't doesn't like boast about it. It's just kind of no, like a, it just so, makes you laugh, laid back kind of type. You know? It's so subtle. And you're like, and yeah. you, like you you have to take a second to process how funny it is. And you're like, Oh my God, that's hilarious. Like he's just his stuff on Twitter. Like I always say, he's like the best kept secret on, on at the station on Twitter. Like he's, he's so funny on Twitter. So no, he's, he's a great guy. We love working together. So here's the deal, Matt. Okay. We saw a goaltender this year, get pulled uh, off of Zamboni um, <laughs> and win a hockey game this year. Yeah. Like shut out the team that, pl- that pays him. Right. 
Okay, well, he scored. They scored a couple of goals, but they beat him. In the, the, the third yeah. So now I, I like my take now is shit. These people who call in and said I played hockey, like now <laughs> now they have like a legitimate like take, right? Like now oh. they're like, oh man, I played hockey, so I know. Like I know now. Well, when it comes to sports radio, like what's the difference? Like I, I used to sit in a car and be like, fuck, I can do this. Um, that's why I went to school for it, and I got lucky or whatever. Yeah. But um. You know, uh, look in New York, uh, Joe Beningo, right? The guy's now doing dry. He, that's what, what it was for him. Yeah. He was just a fan who got a show and now he's, yeah. you know, but like if this can happen. I, I tell this to everybody. Um, you know, I do think that like anyone can do a sports show. Mm-hmm. It's just, can you be entertaining? Can you be likable? Can you do it through a grind? Um, can you be creative daily? Uh, that kind of thing. And some people have it, some people don't. Um, so yeah, like in in a way, like I don't want to like put us down as like, oh, we're just sports guys, but like, you know, after a while it's like, okay, well, hey, this this guy's got something here. I like his knowledge, or I like listening to what he has to say. So right. it's definitely not as easy on making it out to be, but I do think that anyone can do a podcast. Like we have people all the time, oh, you suck. Okay, great. When, where can I hear you, buddy? <laughs> like where can I hear you? And it's not like a a, a platform or whatever, it's just that. You think you know so much? Go fucking do it. You know what I mean? Like, that's how I, with Twitter trolls, I'm the same way. It's like, where can I hear your shit? You know, you don't like what I'm saying? Where can I hear yours? But I'll tell you this, whether you're likable or not, you're doing your job if that's the case. So here, here's what I'll say about this, Joe. I think I think anybody can do this to a certain extent. Like, it takes no God-given ability to do what we do like you think about like athletes like you're either pedro martinez or you're not like you can you can throw a curveball or you can't or you or you have like a god-given like you have that that something special and i'm not like diminishing what athletes do like they work so hard like i mean don't get me wrong but like listen i love playing baseball but you can either hit a curveball or you can't right like i couldn't hit a curveball so like that's why I'm not playing baseball anymore for a million different reasons. Like somebody has that ability to hit that curveball, I didn't. I think with this and I think this is one of the beauties of of what we do is yes, anybody can do it. But you need to be passionate. You need to have the drive. It's not easy. You can get better. You just need to be willing to dedicate years of time and effort. Like we all started in the same place, right? Like, I mean, here's here's the thing about just about everybody who's in our business. We all started as sports fans. We all started as people who truly love sports. I still do. I know you still do. I think the majority of people in our business, even though maybe it doesn't come across sometimes, truly do love sports. We all started in that same place. But to your point, Joe, it's like anybody can do, you know, a podcast. You could like anybody theoretically could talk about sports, but you do need to work really hard at it. You do need to be dedicated to the craft. You have to be willing to make sacrifices. You like I look back at where I was seven years ago when I started and I'm like, hey, I was just a kid who loved sports. I didn't know how to do a radio show. And I listen, I'd been on the radio. I was calling baseball games up in Portland. I had dedicated basically my whole college experience to radio. Like my degree is in television and radio. Like I studied communications. I learned all of that. So, I mean, I had already had essentially five years of experience by the time I started at the Sports Hub, but I had no idea how to do a radio show. I had no idea how to convey my passion for this. And I'm still learning. We're all still learning. We're all still learning how to do this. But 
it's taken a long time, you know, for me to learn how to apply that passion. Anybody can do it, but you can't do it overnight. You know what I mean? Like, so that's mm. the difference between what we do and let's say like what athletes do. As I said, I can't hit a curveball. Some people out there can. Anybody can talk about sports. And if you're willing to put in the time, the hard work, the effort, the dedication, you can be successful in an industry like this too. It's just mm. not going to happen overnight. And you need to have a drive that maybe some other people just don't have. Because I've always said this, Joe, like a million people would love to do what we do, even in the small capacity that we do it, right? Like we just sit there on the weekends, we fill in, we bullshit about sports, we bullshit about stuff. It's the world's coolest part-time gig, full-time gig, whatever you want to call it. I love it. We all love it. But you have to be willing to, I mean, Joe, how long have you been doing this? You've been at this like 15 years, right? Almost. And, and the one thing with me, man, like to your point, like when I first started, <clears throat> the hardest thing for me was credibility. Totally. Like, like we we don't write for a newspaper, right? We don't have an affiliation with some television station or a team, for that matter. Um, yeah, you may have been around the you know the Portland Sea Dogs, and that's good. That you interned, but but you were you were there on a daily basis, so you you had an eye for it. But that's what it was back in the day. That old yeah. Big Show format was. You know, Big Show who call, used to call Celtic, you know, the Celtics games, right? right? Like during like the high point of like the, the Celtics runs, and then you have the Tony Mazes and the Felgers of the world and right. the Buckleys and these guys every day just coming in, and that was the insight that you wanted in sports radio. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like those guys were around it every day. So when it comes to guys like us, it's like, what do you do? Oh, right. Like, like and and for me, that was the hardest thing. How do you break down the barrier? So for me, I tried to be creative, like, okay, I like gambling. No one else is doing it. So maybe that can be a way to, like, be featured or whatever. But that brings up my next point. Um, for me, when I first started, I played sports. So I used to be like, all right, the Patriots are going to run a 4-3 today. And uh, they're going to yeah. get to the second level and watch the wham block. And then, oh, watch the guards going to pull to the right. And then watch the tight end dump over the middle. And the shit didn't work. Yeah, It didn't work. I know sports. I don't need to tell you that I know sports. It's about being entertaining. And I think it took me probably three years, maybe three years. And then one day, dude, I just started ranting about bullshit and it worked because that's <laughs> yeah. what I do. And when I hang out with you guys, like I, I rant and I yell and it, it just took a while to find myself. So I, I, I want to ask you, like you're getting reps now. You're, 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 you're seasoned. Do you think you found yourself yet? Yes and no. You know, I think, I think it's like, and this is like philosophical or whatever, some bullshit. And I'm, I'm not a philosopher or anything like that, but I think you're always searching for yourself. Like, as I said, when I started seven years ago, I just knew I was a guy who liked sports, loved baseball, all of those things. But how do you do a radio show? How do you like, cause a million people out there love sports. And, and listen, part of that makes you relatable, I guess. It's like, Hey, it's just, you want to be the guy on the other end of the radio who's talking sports and is, and is relatable. But how do you, how do you find yourself? Like, put it this way. Like, you know, I was here, here I was at the sports hub and I'm, I'm surrounded by so many talented people who do so many different things. Like, I mean, back in the day, Rich Keefe was like so good at bits, right? Like creature features, stuff like that. And I was like, oh, like maybe I can do bits. And I'm like, nah, I don't really think I'm that good at that. You know, but it took me a while to be like, I can't be like a bit guy. Like Jim Murray does amazing voices. I can't do voices. I've tried. I found out, you know what, that, that just doesn't work. Mm. So you know what I found, Joe, is that I'm just somebody who has an opinion. 
I'm just somebody who has an opinion on sports. And does that make me different from anybody else? No, not really. But I really just kind of try and stick to like, this is what I know. I'm not going to talk politics. I'm not going to talk the world. I'm not going to do anything like that. I'm just going to talk baseball or I'm going to talk sports. I'm going to talk about what's going on and I'm just going to give my thought on sports. And you know what? That sounds so simple. Like I'm just going to sit there and talk sports, but it took me like six years to realize that it took me six years to realize that if I have a strength, it's probably just sitting there and bullshitting about sports and giving a take on something really like that's just, but, but so many people like, but that's not everybody. Maybe that's like Felger's strength. Like he's mm. just, he can he can like give you a take on anything and he's really good at like running a show yeah. but look at look at Jim Murray look at Hardy like look at all the amazing like look at the morning show like they do all these amazing funny creative bits i'm not amazing funny or creative i'm just going to sit there and talk sports you know like the really well but listen that's that's one of the reasons why they'll have you in on felger and mass you know what i mean like they they want you to have an opinion they want someone there that when they go to you you're going to do it that's that show in a nutshell, though. You know what I mean? And, um, you know, the, the one thing, and, and I know we're talking a lot about the sports hub, but, like, even Jones at night, what's great about Jones is he's insightful, he's witty, he's smart as hell, um, but he'll bring you in. Like, he wants to hear your opinion, and then if he doesn't like it, he'll fucking spin you around. Spin you, and, oh, you get put in the Jones blender. But, right? but, but, you, but you have to, like, just go go with it. And stick in you stay in your tracks. If you believe in it, you just got you got to hold it, and that's what's like. That's what makes a great take and a great argument. You know, like if Jackie, if he thinks Jackie Bradley sucks and Jackie Bradley's gonna, you know, hit home runs in the World Series, it's like all right, dude. Or if Marcus Smart is like, oh, what? Do you, like it's just the, those things you just remember. You have your argument. He has his, and that's what's great about sports radio because it's like. Hey man, how many swing and miss takes have you had in your life? Really? <laughs> you know what I mean? But you laugh about it in the end, or you just you just die on that hill. And you know what? People who take that seriously, like I think I think there are some talk hosts out there who who are so afraid to admit when they're wrong. Oh yeah. Uh, like, but all right, so for example, this last summer we were talking about the contest earlier. I was I was in on Felger and Maz, and Maz was like, Hey, like it's a Friday in the summer, Felger's not here or whatever. Like, we're gonna, we're gonna like, you know do a little something a little different today we're going to do a segment on how you got a job at the station it's actually uh the the picture that you posted to promote this uh it's it's that picture from from that day and the and the the lower third the chiron the little key that they put up on tv was where did matt mccarthy come from we were talking about the contest um yeah there you go like right there that came from that Christ, I lost my train of thought. What was I saying? Joe, right, how, how'd you find your job? How, they did a bit about how'd you get the job. How'd you find my job. Yeah, so, ah, Christ. Well, here's the photo. I screwed you all up. No, I did. You, you're trying to say that you guys did something different for the day. Uh, we did do something different for the day. What am I? And now, uh, oh, God. I fly. Did I stump you? I, ha I have so many times where this happens uh, on the air, Joe. Matt, Matt does not smoke pot. I will. No. I will throw that out there. He does not do drugs, so oh, this isn't oh, like a. This is not a stoner moment. Oh no, no. This this is just like a quarantine <laughs> moment. Like, all right. I remember now. It's talking about being wrong. Oh, all right. So God. they played back a part of my audition for the sports sub. Literally, the first take I gave on the sports sub, my first take ever was that John Lester was not an ace and was not going to be a number one in the playoffs. Ooh. So, like, there you go. Like, that was my Ooh. first. Take in the history of my sports talk radio career, an epic fail. And we had, we had such a good, we had a good laugh about that. It's like, you fucking idiot McCarthy. You know, like, but here's the thing. I think there are some people in this industry and I won't name names who would take that seriously. 
Oh, they're not. And they bury themselves. You know oh, what I mean? God. It's like there's they. You know what? We're just talking sports, like and and especially in these times, Joe. It's like there are people down the street from us saving lives. Okay, like mm-hmm. that's that's like real important stuff. We're just bullshitting about sports. If you're wrong, fucking own it. I've been wrong about a million things. You know, like it's just if you're wrong, you're wrong. And every once in a while, when you're right, you can take that victory lap. But it's so fun. When I think it's almost in many ways more fun when you're wrong, and not that I'm trying to be wrong or anything like that. Like I, when I give you a take, I'm being honest. Like I'm not. It's not contrived. It's like that's actually how I feel. And then if I'm wrong, you get to call in. You get to make fun of me. It gets to be a whole thing. But that's good. That's fun. I think that's good radio. Like I couldn't wait to listen to Adam Jones the night after Jackie Bradley Jr won the ALCS MVP. Why? Because Jones had had this take for such a long time and I can't wait to watch him react to that. Like that's just, that was the best part of the ALCS is every time Jackie Bradley Jr. hit a home run, it's just, you go to Twitter and it's like, oh no, Jones, suck on it, Jones. Like I have friends from California being like, Adam Jones, like they're not even from here. They knew it. Like it was so cool. Yeah, listen, everyone loves a swing and miss take when somebody's... uh... Wrong about a take. Matt McCarthy series from 98.5 The Sports Hub. Uh, I know we've done about 25 minutes or so on ourselves. Um, so I feel very stimulated today, Matt. Mm-hmm. Why is um, that? I don't know. I mean, did you check your bank account today? I don't know. I feel oh, very, oh, I have not checked my bank account today. I, I feel very stimulated about that today. Um, so I wanted to start off with this take from uh, Dr. Anthony Fossey who says sports can return quickly if there are no fans in stadiums, players quarantine in big hotels, weekly testing of players, keep them well uh, surveyed, and just let them play the season out. So uh, your thoughts on Dr. Fossey and when sports will return. All right. So first and foremost, Fauci is the person that I trust. I think he's the the person that that most Americans trust. He's the person that most Americans should trust. This guy, this guy's literally like dedicated his life to stuff like this. So I defer to the experts. I've been really, Joe. I've honestly tried to like put sports out of my mind because I've been of the opinion that these things aren't coming back. Like we're we're not going to return to society as normal just like overnight, even after the peak returns. I, I think that'd be foolish. So I've been fully prepared for the thought that baseball isn't happening, the NBA and the NHL aren't returning, that the NFL might get delayed or what. Like I've been emotionally prepared for that. I have I have actually tried to not think about sports. Uh, I haven't tried to like engage in sports at all because I, I didn't just frankly want to bum myself out. When I hear that, I get hopeful. I do. Um, you know, we get news last night that golf is returning. Now, I'm a golf fan, but I'll tell you what. Like, I already love golf. When golf returns, I will watch every fucking shot of the Colonial Tournament or whatever the hell they're doing. I don't care who's golfing. I will watch anything because it will be the first sense of normalcy, even though there will be no fans. Golf is like the perfect social quarantine sport like uh, the the perfect social distancing sport, because those guys can go out there, they can do it safely. If Fauci and if the experts say that sports can return with no fans, that's great. 
I just don't, I hope these leagues don't rush into it. I, I've been really concerned that there's going to be one league out there that it's like, you know what, we're going to be first because people are hungry and we're going to do this and they're going to get people sick. They're going to get people in the game sick. And like, let's be serious. Let's be on Like the most important thing right now is not the economy, is not sports, is not anything. It's making sure that we keep as many people healthy as possible. Like that's just, that's just the real world implication. So Fauci says that we can we can potentially do this and keep people safe. I'm all in, but I, I just I just hope that they don't rush into it. I mean, as much as I want sports back, please don't rush into this because the last thing we want is like baseball returning for a week and then a whole bunch of players get sick and then baseball gets shut down and that's it. You know, like that's just that's the last thing anybody needs. What I think has been funny about baseball lately is. I feel like they're doing anything to stay relevant at this point. Totally. So, so like, you know, one day it's, we're going to play in Arizona and then, oh, maybe we'll do, uh, you know, Cactus League versus Grapefruit League. And yesterday it was, oh, we're going to play games in Japan. You know, <laughs> and it's like, shit, they, they keep talking because they're not relevant. Nobody cares that they're not playing right now. Um, like every day I hear something new about baseball's idea to, to yeah. start a season or begin a season. Nobody cares, Matt. I know it's your sport. You love it, dude. I've been watching baseball movies like Galore. I've watched A League yeah. of Their Own. I've watched The Natural. Yeah. I've watched, uh, what else did I watch the other night? Um, oh, I watched all three major league movies. All, <laughs> uh, even oh. back to the minors. Oof, man. I watched. I feel the dreams. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think of what, dude, I've watched a lot, a lot of baseball movies of late. Um, and yeah, I, I kind of like wish there was a game on, on at night. Yeah. Um, but right now, I think they're trying to do whatever they can to be relevant. And whenever I hear a new story, I'm like, man, they're reaching at this point. Well, you know, and again, that speaks to my concern, Joe. It's like I could see baseball being in a situation where they say, you know what, our standing, you know, in, in the American sports landscape has really fallen off in the last 20 years. I mean, let's not forget 20 years ago, baseball was still the biggest sport in the country. Like, think about it. 99 all-star game, like, Yankees. True to see steroids like coming off the home run race like that was only 20 years ago where baseball was still the biggest sport in america think about how much fall like how far they've fallen in just two decades and and they realize that so i'm just concerned that and again it speaks to my concern about like is there going to be a league that's going to rush back into this like baseball could i'm concerned that they're going to say you know what our, our place is is not where it used to be but there's an opportunity. We could be the only sport going and we could be, you know, the great distraction that baseball has always been America's mm. pastime. Like, there's a reason why baseball continued during world war two. FDR wanted baseball to still be there to distract the public, to keep morale up. Like there, there's a longstanding history of baseball coming through in like times where, you know, the country needs it or whatever. And I'm just so concerned that they're going to say, here's an opportunity. It's like, we're going to get baseball back to where it, it used to be because if we're the only game going, people are going to fall back in love with the game. And that's a nice like pie in the sky idea, but it's not going to work. It's not because if you're rushing back and nobody else is doing it, that means that you're rushing back and then that it's not safe. Okay. Mm -hmm. Like, so I'm really concerned that there are ulterior motives here for baseball. Like all of these sports leagues want to get back. They don't know what to do. They're trying to find ways to restart their season or to, you know, have something going on. 
I think, you know, for the health of the sport, for the health of our psyche, like, I mean, this is where you realize how, how much sports really mean to us, right? Like, it's such an important thing to take our mind off of things. Like, my God, like, I feel like all we could use during this time would be sports. It's like there was something every night to, like, take our mind off the fact that we've, like, you know, got field hospitals up in New York right now. And like, there are thousands of people dying and the country and the economy is going to hell in a handbasket. Like we need sports, but at what cost? We just need to keep everybody safe. Really? That's what it comes down to. Yep. I, I couldn't agree more with you. I just thought that, uh, you know, that, that was just something interesting that I just noticed it every day. I'm like, Oh, what's, what's baseball, uh, what's baseball trying to do today? Um, so Matt, I got a bunch of stuff, um, that I wanted to do today. I know we've, uh, we've done an introduction. We got your lead off thought on, uh, you know, Fosse's comments and everything like that. Um, I just thought we could shoot the shit on some stories. So just sticking with baseball, Steve Pierce, um, MVP winner. I lost a bet on that one, by the way. Yeah. Um, Did you actually, Maz took Steve. So, I don't think Maz is listening. Um, Maz. I saw you hand Maz a bunch of money after that. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. You know, when Maz calls and says, hey, Joe, I'm, you know, what's the line? Yeah. I'm like, yep. And he's like, all right, can I? Yeah. And I'm like, yep. Yep, yep, yep. Because it's usually <laughs> it's usually in my favor. Yeah. But one day it was like, Joe, just give me Steve Pierce plus 700 to win the MVP of the World Series fucking guy wins the mvp of the world series <laughs> and uh i the, the funny thing was though is i tailed it so like i was like all right shit if he's gonna put 50 on it i'm gonna put 50 on it too like yeah. you know what i mean like, like shit let's do this so so yeah he won we didn't i didn't even think we even saw him last year maybe in spring training but he says that the red sox didn't cheat mm-hmm. do you what's gonna happen with this now like the, one of the biggest storylines was the, the whole Astros and everything like that this year. Like when we get baseball back, man, I hope we just get baseball back. Yeah. Um, you know, the Astros got punished in the off season. They, it's probably, we, no one thought this was going to happen, by the way, there was no plan to, to, to hurt the Astros and do, you know, put, put them on public shame and everything like that. And then the Red Sox get off clean. You know, Alex core is not here. No one thought that a pandemic would happen, but, you know, at this point, are they even going to announce something? Do you even think there'll be any penalties based off what Steve Pierce said? Dude, like I, the Red Sox keep saying they didn't cheat. And I mean, they're so they're so adamant about it. It's it's strange because I'm sure they did. Like, let's be totally honest here. I mean, they, J.D. Martinez is so pissed about that damn hitting room. You know what I mean? Like, it's exactly. like, like, come on. Like, all right. So the, the Red Sox have kind of a crappy offense in 2017. Alex Cora comes in in 2018, and all of a sudden, they're like the best offense in baseball. Like, come on. And Alex Cora, we know, was a big part of the Astros cheating scandal. Not as big a part as uh, A.J. Hinch and Jeff Luna would like you to think. But we all know that Alex Cora was a big part of that. So, of course, the Red Sox were up to something. So uh, the question is, like, how much should they be punished? Like, I think they're going to be hurt by the fact that John Farrell and in 2017, like, they had the whole Apple Watch thing. Like, you know who's skating free is Dave Dombrowski. Like, he's the general manager of of the 2017 Red Sox, different manager. 2018 Red Sox, different manager. Both wrapped up in massive sign-stealing scandals. Dave Dombrowski got fired at the best time. Holy crap. Like, this guy's off on an island somewhere. Nobody's talking about him. Whatever. But in regards to the punishment, like, can baseball just wrap this up at this point? 
Like, this is ridiculous. This was supposed to be done by the time spring training started, then a week into spring training, then early March. Now Rob Manfred's like, well, we had other things come up, which I understand, you know, a, a pandemic, a global pandemic. I get that. But it sounds like the report's done. They're just not releasing it. Why? Get it out there. And I agree with what Ron Renicki said yesterday or in the last few days. Like, can we have this information by the time, like, spring training resumes or summer training or whatever it's going to be like, can baseball please just, and maybe they deem that it's not like the right time to release information. Like, cause everything else is going on in the world and it would look like they're burying news or whatever, but I don't know, like this thing has gone on forever. And the same thing with the Patriots thing too. Like the NFL says it's still under review. Like get your shit together. Like how long does it take to review this stuff? Like they did the Astros investigation in what, two months, like a really in-depth, they had a lot to track down there. You're telling me that they can't get this Red Sox thing out. Get it out there now. Like seriously, this should have been out there a long time ago. Get your acting gear baseball. I don't get it. Like, the, the Red Sox need to know. Everybody needs to know, to be honest. Unless there's unless more evidence is just still rolling into them, which I guess I don't rule out, but my God, can can you hurry this up, please? Please. Uh, I'm hoping the I'm hoping the same thing for the Patriots uh as well. Uh I think we got a little news update on that yesterday that at least they won't be affected um be affected this year. Um <laughs> one thing I I, I Matt, I fucking hate politics i yeah me too i want nothing to do with politics i shit any anything that's been going on right now i try not to watch i just i, I can't okay. do it but but when the president comes out and says that he's sick of watching 14 year old games like games from 14 years ago like to me i'm like yeah dude what do you think we're stuck with here what yeah. you, what do you oh what you think you're the only guy at home that's sick of watching this shit too like you, you know, but now he's like bringing all the all the commissioners together, and I just like the fact that maybe they're trying to set a date. Like maybe they're just trying. They're like, let's do a target today, and I know, I know they're what trying, happens, but they can't. Like, and it goes back to my point. Like, we don't know how long this thing is going to go on. Like, again, don't be reckless. And again, it's it's my concern with the sports leagues. You know that they're going to say we got to get back. Like here's an opportunity. There are no other sports going on. We're going to own the sports landscape. No, reckless. You can't do that. Like, don't get me wrong. I want sports back just as much as the next guy. I, I've had enough. I've enjoyed like watching Game Six of the 1975 World Series, but there's only so much of that I can take. All right. Like I'm tired of the 14 year old games too. But we can't be reckless about this. We can't restart sports. You know, while this thing is still going on, we got to keep everybody safe. We can't restart the economy. We can't restart any of this shit. All right. We we gotta we gotta deal with this first because you know what? If we reopen stuff, and I'm listen, I'm not an epidemiologist. Okay, but if we <laughs> a what? <laughs> that was a big one. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a doctor. I don't know. As I always say, Joe, I don't know much about anything. And I especially don't know much about this. I don't know much about this. Okay. But I think I know enough to say. Yeah, we probably shouldn't just like restart restart sports right now, or we probably shouldn't send everybody back to work right now. And I know there's, you know, there's pressure politically. There are elections coming up, and you know, sports leagues want to get back. I just hope these decisions are made by people who eventually have the best interest of the players, the people, the citizens in mind, rather than their own self interest, whether that be politicians 
or commissioners or sports owners. Like this, this is a time that calls for people making decisions who don't have ulterior motives in making decisions. Okay. Let's move on to some real sports. Um, starting with the Patriots, the draft is a week away. We get some draft coverage next week, by the way, on the show here. Uh, we'll have three-time Super Bowl champion Ted Johnson on Monday. We'll have Mike Flynn, Super Bowl champion, on Tuesday. Oh, that's good. We're going to have Mike Lockhart uh, of the Fantasy Football Show on 95 of the Sports about a wicked draft, Nick, and I know he writes for some site um, mm-hmm. that does drafts. Uh, Thursday, we have the voice of the New England Patriots, Bob Sosi. Awesome. And then on Friday, we have Dr. Football, John Serenides. That's a bang-out week right there, Joe. So a lot of draft coverage uh, right here on uh, Just Sitting Here. um a week in a week but um obviously tom brady's gone um there's probably a quarterback maybe in the draft that they that they're probably looking at um and i know there's a hall of fame thing i want to ask you about in a minute here and then i I got a dynasty question but do you think jared stidham's the guy and do you think that there could be a guy in the draft nope 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 No, 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 no. Jarrett Stidham is not the guy. All right. And here's the thing. Maybe he's the guy two years from now. I don't know. But this goes back to the point that I've been hammering for months, Joe, and I'm going to hammer it again because I'm not right about much, but I'm dead right about this. Okay. You do not move on from Tom Brady with no viable alternative. Jarrett Stidham in his second year in the National Football League is not a viable alternative. Okay. I want to see Jarrett Stidham sit behind, well, Tom Brady or something like that. That's obviously not going to happen. That, that you know, uh, horse is out of the barn at this point. I don't want to turn this thing over to a second-year kid who I don't think is ready. Maybe if you were able to repeat the thing you did with Garoppolo, you have him sit behind a veteran for two or three years. Like, this is a mid-round pick, all right? Have him sit behind a veteran, have him develop, and then maybe in year three, year four, when you see him, when he actually has some more game experience rather than a couple of preseason games where he and Jacoby Myers looked awesome, and then you get the real football, and then you realize that, oh, wait a minute, Jacoby Myers really isn't good. So what does that say about the competition, and what does that say about Jarrett Stidham? Like, I'm not going to base anything off of what I see in the preseason against the Detroit Lions. I'm not. That's foolish. That's reckless. So I don't think Jarrett Stidham is ready right now. Maybe in a few years, sure. I don't know if he's more seasoned. Fine. As far as guys in the draft, Joe, I'm going to defer to you on this one. Like the guys that they could get, like there are reports coming out that they like Justin Herbert. I do not like Justin Herbert. Out, out, (laughs) way out. I'm not a college football guy. Like just, just in general. Like I I watch it casually, but I I, like you're a huge college football guy. I I defer to you on this stuff. But I was at the Pac-12 championship game, Oregon against Utah. You which were. I had some money on because you and I were texting back and forth during that. Oh, um, forth. that that's been a, a topic of conversation on this podcast, that damn game. Yeah. And if you were there, they went there. They, they went for it on fourth down and didn't get it. And yeah, then when they, they, scored 20, they, scored, they scored 21 straight points and on fourth down they punt. Yeah. And then the next play, Oregon scores a 71-yard touchdown and wins the game. Right. But so listen, I watched Justin Herbert in person and, you know, I was sitting there with a couple of my friends and they're like, hey, you know, like uh, Herbert, like, you know, I don't know, maybe Patriots, you know, Brady's going to be a free agent. And of course, I was telling them what we had all heard about Brady, both, you know, behind the scenes and and, and in front of the scenes. So they're like, all right, is like, are we watching the next quarterback of the New England Patriots? I was like, God, I hope not, because this guy sucks. Like (laughs) this, uh, this is not a good situation. 
So no, listen, you can tell me if there's like some guy out there in like the fourth round or, you know, one of those things, but, uh, but no, it's, uh, uh, I'm just, I'm too depressed about it, Joe. Still like uh, get over the Brady thing. I can't, I, I don't want to talk about the next quarterback of the New England Patriots because I don't know who it is. I don't know who's out there. I don't want to do it. I look, don't look at what we're both wearing. We're, we're fanboying big right, time. Of course. Well, this is all I have. Dude, it's corn. I'm wearing sweatpants and I'm wearing a tee. Like, this is what you do. And yeah. in the fall, you wear, you know, you wear a nice little sweatshirt. It's just, this is a hoodie. That's, right. that's how we do it out this way. So yeah, I, I have tons of this gear. Uh, I, I, I have a, th- I have a question for you when it comes to the draft picks in a minute here, but um, Steve Sporty is checking in. Every time I hear Matt McCarthy talk, I can vision Alex Spear. You guys are the same guy. That's a compliment. That is a compliment. I'm <laughs> sure as smart as Alex Spear. Alex Spear went to Harvard. Okay. Like college. There's a big difference. All right. Like I, I appreciate the compliments and everything, but like, holy shit. Like uh, it's, Damn, like Alex Spear could like put a rocket on the moon. I I can barely drive my car. <laughs> Someone asked if you were Sarge. Uh, no, you, you were not. He, Sarge was on yesterday. So yes. uh, feel free to uh, to chat in and be a part of the show. Matt McCarthy's here. Um, Tom Curran did this thing on NBC Sports Boston that was named the greatest draft pick at each ra- of each round. Okay. So. If I asked you what was the best first round pick of the Belichick era, Seymour, agreed. Seymour or Will Fork? Will Fork's, oh yeah, yeah. Right up there. I mean, you know what? I don't know if Will Fork would get in the Hall of Fame statistically, but I, but nose guard at some point should. And in, in, uh, uh, what's Fred, Fred Smurlis has always been in consideration for something like that because he, you know, that was his position and it really yeah. wasn't a position. Um, at the time, but I, I agree with you. Will Fork was a freak athlete, too. Totally was Seymour. Just what he did during that run for those linebackers, you know yeah. what I mean? Just think of uh, the Vrabels, the Ted John, the Brewskis, those guys over the, what he did for them, and then the secondary just got to do what they had to. So, I agree with you. Now, here's the interesting one, and it's probably easy, but what's the best second round pick of all time? Best second round pick, God, you know. <sighs> I should have checked this article out because now I'm going to. Uh, all I can think about their second round picks is how they're generally a disaster. Like Razai Dowling, Tavon Wilson, uh, you know, like you, you think about like uh, it's Ron Brace, you know, rest in peace. Yeah. He, he didn't really have an impact. Marquis Hill. Marquis Hill, yeah, I was going to say. He that. didn't have an impact. Like I just think about all these awful second round picks that they've had. Oh, well, oh, oh, no, this is obvious. It's Rob Gronkowski. Okay, there you go. Like immediately, you know, like you, mm. you immediately think of like all the failures that they've had in the second round. Yeah. They traded up to get Gronk. They jumped the Raiders. I remember watching it live. Man, yeah, no, it's it's Gronk, obviously, of course. Duh, no shit, McCarthy. Uh honorable mentions, Matt Light, Dion Branch, Patrick Chung. So yeah. And Chung had to leave and come back. Chung too. had to leave and come back. And you know, Chung, here's the thing that was always held against Chung is they traded down. They, they were sitting there at like 25 or 26. They traded down to 33 or 34, wherever they got Chung, and the Packers took Clay Matthews. So everybody's like, oh, the Patriots yeah. should have got Clay Matthews. And Clay Matthews was a great player for a long time, but but Patrick Chung has been so much better for the Patriots in his second time around than his first. Uh, they figured out how to use him. Like he's He's been such a glue guy on that defense for, for he, so long. Now. He was the draft pick that they tra- when they traded Matt Castle. Matt Castle, yeah. As well, uh, I'll run through it. Joe Tooney's third round. Asante, yeah, yeah. Asante Samuel is the fourth round. 
<laughs> Fifth round, they have Matthew Slater. Um, Dan Dan Copen was pretty good. Uh, and Marcus good. Cannon, he was a fifth round, yeah. sixth round pick. Okay, all right, all right. Seventh round pick, Julian Edelman. Yeah. So that's a that's a good list. I mean, they've I think they've done pretty well in the draft, even though they've sucked very bad. Yeah. Uh, in in the draft as well. So uh, they have a Patriots Hall of Fame, Matt. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have a, the finalists are going to be mentioned here soon. I have a banner that I wanted to put up regarding this. Um, who's next for the Hall of Fame? The candidates are Seymour, mm-hmm. Vrabel. I think Bill Parcells is still a part of it. And then this year, it's Wes Welker, first time, and Logan Mankins. Okay, so Seymour Seymour is not in the Patriots Hall of Fame at this point? He is not in the Patriots Hall of Fame. He's got to be there. And he probably, listen, this this whole thing is political. Seymour didn't leave under the best of terms. There were, there were some times, I mean, listen, he held out, I remember, in 2004. So, uh, you know, I think that's obviously been held against him. Uh, Vrabel made the Patriot place comments, and he's uh, he's doubled down on those. Like, the Patriot way, isn't that where the movie theater is? Like, stuff yeah. like that. He just beat them, too, in the playoffs. Out! <laughs> I mean, listen, Vrabel should be in there. Vrabel should already be in there. But I think we understand that there are some politics at play here. The Patriots, uh, you know, certainly take, uh, take notes on guys who have gone off the reservation at times, uh, and that's been, been held against them. The fact that Parcells isn't in there is, to me, ridiculous. I mean, Bill Parcells... There, there are no Patriots without Bill Parcells, right? Like th- this era doesn't exist without Parcells and Bledsoe, like and Kraft buying the team. Like, remember where this team was? Like before, I, I got into a huge debate with, with like you know some of these uh, these internet trolls, these uh, Twitter trolls, who when I, I commented that the Patriots basically sucked for thirty years, they're like, no, they didn't. Look at them from seventy eight to eighty five. I'm like, who cares? They were irrelevant. They sucked. The team was about to move to to St. Louis. Okay, like they were not good. They had they had some moments where they bubbled up. They got to the Super Bowl and got you know absolutely demolished by the Bears. They were essentially irrelevant pre Parcells. Fact, not opinion. Fact. Parcells needs to be in there. Bledsoe's in, which is great. He deserves to be there. Parcells should be there too. And let's let's be honest. Like talking in, in, about in Seymour. It was a damn finalist for the Hall of Fame. Right. He's not in the Patriots Hall of Fame at this point. Give me a break. Yeah, and Christopher Carroll popping up here. It's so true. Bill Parcells legitimized the Patriots. That is so true. I mean, Parcells was the best coach in the NFL at the time. Like, the fact that he would come to the New England Patriots, like, what? Huh? I know. I, know. And he, he, I think he left the Giants. He had, like, health issues, I think. And then yeah. yeah, that's where it all came back up. But, yeah, a guy who won, what? couple of Super Bowls just a few years before that was available to go to the Patriots and was willing to come to the Patriots <laughs> and bring his staff to like it, this would this would be like honestly this would be like the greatest quarterback of all time going to the losingest franchise in the history of the NFL not that oh, that really oh, oh wait a minute oh no wait no that just did Tom Brady instantly legitimizes the Tampa Bay Buccaneers yep and like, I think it sets them with the yeah dude that Tom Brady going to the box, whether it works out or not, will be the best thing that ever happened for the box. Of course, because that franchise is one of the biggest jokes in the history of professional sports. They're a fucking joke. And when I see Tom Brady wearing a Bucks creamsicle uniform, I, I am going to vomit. Like um, that will make me sick 
to my stomach. I think I'm gonna go. I think I'm gonna go to a game out there in Tampa. I think I'm just gonna go. You want to go? I'm in. No. <laughs> It'll, we can really get like a an Airbnb with a Let's pool. We can go to Publix. It'll be great. We can go to like the Hulk Hogan shop out there. I'm kidding. Go to like some awful like uh, some awful like Tampa Bay strip club. Like there you go. Don't threaten me with a good time. Uh, speaking of sports, Matt. on this, and uh, there you go. He knows <laughs> where, where to eat. Yeah, he knows uh, where to eat. He knows, he knows where to be. <laughs> Bulls or Patriots dynasty, which was the best dynasty? Not even close. It's the Patriots dynasty. And and listen, I mean, I, you sure, I'm a homer. I'm a honk. I'm a Tom Brady bobo, like whatever. What the Patriots did in the National Football League in the modern era with the salary cap with everything – is unprecedented in the history of North American sports. The Yankees of the 50s cannot compete with this. The Bulls of the 90s cannot compete with this. The Celtics in the 60s cannot compete with this. The Canadians of the 50s, whatever. Go back to the 1927 Yankees or the 1901 to 1918 Red Sox. Nobody can compete with this because what the Patriots did in the modern era, salary cap, in a day and age in sports and particularly in the, in the NFL where everything is stacked against you having re- repeated success is remarkable, it is unprecedented, and we will never see anything like it ever again. They essentially had two dynasties over the course of a 20-year span, all with Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. Like six Super Bowls, six Super Bowls, like going to nine in 20 years is just We'll never see anything like it again. The Bulls dynasty was great, but basketball is also a sport where basketball is a sport filled with dynasties. The Celtics, the Lakers, the Celtics again, the Bulls in the night. Like it's all like literally the rules in basketball are are designed so that you never lose your star players. Like the rules are specifically designed in basketball to keep dynasties intact and keep them in place. Whereas the rules in football are designed to do the exact opposite. So like, I'm not trying to discredit what the Bulls did, although I guess I will I will a little bit because I don't care about basketball dynasties. I don't care about the Celtics. I don't care about the Lakers. Like, who cares if the Celtics won a million championships in the 1960s in like an eight-team NBA? whoop you fucking do really? Who cares if the Bulls won, you know, how what, six championships? I don't care. That's what basketball is it's not what football is and what can, the I, is can I tell you why i care why? And, and you make all valid points all mm-hmm. of them michael jordan never lost in the finals never and i know people want to do that argument with montana right yeah. okay right, so, so all of a sudden brady should be penalized for going up what nine i don't think you should Super Bowls or whatever all, all, all I'm to... in the super bowls that he lost joe i mean brady could like easily have nine super bowl like people forget 2007, the Patriots are trailing. Brady drives the Patriots 80 yards. He hits Randy Moss on third and goal for a go-ahead touchdown with 202 to play. Brady drives the fucking field and wins the Super Bowl for the Patriots before they screw it up, before the defense rips a Lombardi trophy out of his hands. All right, so like the only Super Bowl where Brady really didn't play well was Super Bowl 46. And he still hit Wes Welker for what should have been the game-winning catch. All right, so it's like he played well in eight of the nine Super Bowls. He played really well. And Malcolm Butler didn't play in one of them. Right, and he set every record known to man in Super Bowl 52 
put up 33 points and put up like the greatest offensive output in Super Bowl history and they fucking lost. So it's like I'm not going to put that on Tom Brady, okay? Like I also think if Brady wins one more, he's better than Jordan. When I look back at it, I still think Jordan might be the greatest athlete of all time. I don't think Brady considers considers himself this fabulous athlete or anything like that to begin yeah. with. But one other thing I'll bring up is Brady had a better supporting cast. That could be argued. But, you know, Phil Jackson, Michael Jordan, Scotty Pippen. Dennis Rodman. And then for the next run, you have Rodman. Yeah. Who was Brady's partner? All right. Okay. So he did have Rom Gronkowski. Yeah, yeah, but for one Super Bowl. For, well, for three, right? Well, he was hurting one and didn't play in another. And then. Okay. All right. So actually, yeah. So he did have Gronk in Super He didn't have Gronk in Super Bowl 51, which they, which they won. Uh, he did have Gronk in Super Bowl 52, which they lost. Um, but yeah, I mean, listen, he had him in, in 49 and Gronk was a huge part of that game. Gronk has essentially the game winning catch in 53, uh, even though he was on his last legs at that, at that point. I mean, I, I do think there is a like, well, Tom Brady never had a supporting, like, he had Rob Gronkowski and Randy Moss, like two of the greatest weapons in yeah, the but, National Football League. But I think Brady was okay. What but, was the longevity of that, though? You know, no, there wasn't. Jordan, Jordan had that for all six, right? Oh, the, the, the Robin, the other three beat. Totally true. And, and and listen, we can go around and around on this for for quite some time. Like, I mean, there's, you know, uh, but Brady had like an elite defense for th- at least three of those Super Bowls. I'd argue, yeah. you know, four of those Super Bowl. Like, I mean, two thousand that two thousand three defense is just ridiculous. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, two thousand one defense they shut down the greatest show on turf. Like, that's a great defense with legitimate Hall of Famers. Like, uh, Ty I'll tell you Law. this much: give Anymore. me Bill, give me Bill Belichick over Phil Jackson. Hell yes. And I know, I know Jackson can show the rings, but I, I think Bill did it with less. Phil, All right. how, many, how many rings does Bill have? Eight rings in football versus eleven in basketball. Like this, is not even close. Bill Belichick way greater than like again. It's basketball. Like, <laughs> like it's it's a sport meant for dynasties. All right, this one's gonna be this uh, this one will be on the table for a while. Maybe we'll bring it back. Uh, programming note: um, myself and Matt will be on the Weekender Show. Yeah, it'll be YouTube fun. on Saturday at two p.m. with our buddy Sarge. So yeah, that'll be a good maybe, time. Maybe we can continue um, this conversation as well. I wanted to just bring up something. Uh, today's April fifteenth, mm-hmm. um, and you know, I woke up today. I didn't really think about it. If you can tell in the top right hand corner here, uh, we have the banner remembering. Let me pull this down here. But we have uh, the banner remembering what happened on 4-15 in 2013. Um, obviously, the Boston Strong came about that year, Matt. Uh, it was a memorable year for baseball and obviously uh, in the area and, and life in general here. Um, but take t- what were your thoughts on that day? Um, I was reminded of it recently, but um, your thoughts on the day in general and then what it meant for that Red Sox season. Um, as we remember those who uh, who passed uh, in 2013 on this day. Yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, it's it's like one of the, the first things you remember about that day is it was a beautiful day. Like, it was like the, just a perfect mid-April day in Boston. And I was, and again, 2013, I was up in Portland at the time, and uh, we had a game that night and everything, and it just uh, had the Sea Dogs were on the road at the time. But, I mean, I'll just never forget, I don't know why I sat down at the TV probably about just before three o'clock. I think I was home. I was, you know, it was like, I'll kill an hour before I go into the studio or whatever. And 
I saw what had happened. You know, I mean, I'd watch the marathon in the morning like I always do. Um, you know, it's like it's your Bostonian. It's like it's our day. And, and that's the thing that I love about Marathon Monday, about Patriots Day, is it's it's just the most Boston day. Like if you grew up here, you knew what it means. Like it starts in Lexington, you know, with the with the reenactment on the green in Lexington. And, you know, like you got the state police recreating Paul Revere's ride. Like it's just it's such a beautiful day and it's our day it's always our day it's our special little holiday um and it was just rocked it was just rocked and you know i wasn't home at the time and all i could think was i just want to be home i want to be in boston I'm, I'm in portland i'm an hour and a half away i'm still in new england i'm still in but i just remember being like i should be there i'm a bostonian i should be there and i was like i don't know what i do but i, I just i had the sense that i wasn't in the place where i belonged um and not that there was anything I could do to to help or anything, but that's just the sense I had all that week. And it was just, it was the craziest week. I'll never forget Renee Rancourt coming out and singing the national anthem at the Bruins game. And I was at work and we just all turned it on. We just all cried, you know, like it's just in, and like that beautiful moment where, you know, when the crowd sings, you know, about the stars, you hear the stars, you know, it's not the stars, mm. you know, it's the stars. It's, it's just, it was just, and then, you know, the manhunt, I'll never forget that. I think it was that night or wasn't it like, or I forget the, the week gets all, all jumbled together, but that night where you hear about Sean Collier and, you know, the, the police officer that have been shot, you're like, Oh my God, this, this can't be connected. Can it? And I remember I had to be up early the next day and I'm like, I went to bed and I woke up the next day. I checked Twitter or whatever. And I was like, Oh my God, like the whole world's gone to hell. Like, and I just, I, I, all I did was, was keep WBZ news radio on the whole day I was at work, but like, I just wanted to feel connected. I was like, I don't know what I'll do, but like, I just, I'm just thinking of home. And it was just, it was the most surreal emotional week that I can ever think of. And it's just, it's just so sad to this day, like that, mm. that happened, but it's also, it's also an example of, of, of how, what a tight knit community, I think Boston is, you know, people yep. together and, and, you know, like I look at this time, like you think about the lockdown, everybody obeyed it because yeah. we all did our part. And I feel like Boston, you know, here we are seven years later in sort of a lockdown. And I feel like Boston was really quick to act. And I feel like people were really quick to say, you know what, we got to do our part. Mm. And I feel like we, as a community, we, as a city, are, are doing what we need to do to keep people safe at this time. You know why? Because we learned that seven years ago on this day that we need to band together. And we did. And we did on that day. We did on that week. And we're doing that at this time right now. And I think it just goes to show that like Boston Strong is more than just a saying. It's more than just something that we put on the ribbon. It's more than just the Red Sox jersey that they hung in Cleveland on that night, at, you know, when they went to Cleveland after playing the marathon game and that 617 Boston Strong, it's more than just something we put on ribbons and jerseys to feel better. It really is a mentality and approach and a way of life that we implemented then and we're implementing now. Yep. And looking at it as a sports story, it was a huge sports story. This is our fucking city. Right. A team of, um, Castoffs, yeah, rallied together. Yeah, I mean, beat some, beat some great teams, dude. They did. And, they and, did. Uh, it, it catapulted them to come together and, um, you totally. know, certainly persevere.
I mean, I'll never forget that Saturday after the manhunt when they came, you know, and Ed Davis and the police came out and, you know, David Ortiz goes out, you know, this is our fucking city. And Daniel Mava hits that home run and Don Orsillo has the best call of his career. Boston, this is for you. Like, it's just when I hear that, I still get chills. I just got chills right now thinking about that. Like, it was just it was such a powerful moment. And it goes to show the power of sports. That yep. it did help the city heal. And Absolutely. Totally. Bro, you mentioned the Renee Rancourt. Yeah. Th- those were like huge moments in the city. And it was sports that helped. Totally. And, and you're mentioning it, man. If you can look at it from then to now, shit, man. Like, yeah. Like, like, totally. It's, it's, you know, we don't have the sports now to lean on. You yeah. Know, we have to, the way to, do things now is to stay safe and look out for everybody, you know, and, but it's it goes just, to the power of sports and the importance yeah. of sports and the importance of being able to come together. And I think, you know, we, as humans, we just, we need that, that contact with one another and like, all right. So, you know, the marathon happens and, but there was no place that if you had ticket to that Saturday Red Sox game, there was no place that you would, you would rather be. You'd stand in a security line, but you just wanted to be with 35,000 Bostonians to come together to celebrate, to mourn, to cry, to do all those things, to do those things that we do as a group, as a community, and people band together. And I think that's what's so tough about these times. It's like, all right, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. Uh, the economy is going to shit. Like we could be headed for a great depression. Like for all we know, like who knows if we could just go to a Red Sox game and sit at Fenway park at seven o'clock on a Friday night, it just takes your mind off things. And we can't do that. And that's, what's so tough about this. It's one of the many things that's so tough about this. And of course, uh, remembering what happened in 2013, uh, of course, Boston marathon will be moved this year because of the pandemic. Um, so on Monday will still be Patriots Day, but um, there will be not be a marathon. And I, I, I hate to kill the mood a little bit here, but I just want to give a shout out to uh, our condolences to uh, Scott Zolak of 98 Father Sports. Uh, um, his father passed last night at 72 years old. They put up a graphic here uh, when Zoe threw a touchdown. You know, he pointed to his dad who was in the stands on his phone. That's awesome. Um, but Zoe, you know, showed up today to work. Um, they gave a really nice message, you know, just about his dad and how the the stream, the fact that they're on television and on the radio and, you know, with his family in Florida, they're able to watch him every day. And it's how the family could stay connected. Mm-hmm. And um, they were sharing a story and Bob Sosi called in and, and Beetle right. mentioned it as well. But, you know, they, they had a special connection so his dad could hear the live broadcast. Uh, did they really? Yeah, because as you know, you can't hear the games on the app because you yeah. know, the, the rights and everything. So they had a special stream that would go like to the old man. So he could like hear, oh, awesome. hear his son's game. And they, they like, <laughs> they'd be checking in before the game. Hey, you got a good sound. And I guess yeah. like during the game, like the stream must've went out one time. So they have like <laughs> McKenna trying to like get it ready and, and get it ready to go. But uh, they have the onsite engineer. So it was Jason McKenna. We've got a great engineering team, you know, who, who puts on these broadcasts and it's not, it's not easy work and they make it sound flawless yeah. every time. So they, they had like a dedicated get like just, yeah. yeah. Oh my yeah. God. That, that's an amazing story. But uh, Yeah. Just remember in dude, I, I tweeted out a story for those who want to check it out. It's at Joe Weimer on Twitter, but uh, his father, Paul uh, actually played at Cal was a backup quarterback, but like, 
because he couldn't play, he was like a kicker mm-hmm. and like a punter and like played all these other positions, but uh, like a li- a legendary coach in Pennsylvania. Yeah. yeah. Like a legendary. His brother played a uh, Chuck played uh, quarterback at Delaware. Mm-hmm. Obviously, um, you know, Zoe played at Maryland with, you know, other great quarterbacks um, and played, you know, what, nine years in the NFL as well. But his, you know, the one thing that Zoe said today was that his dad was at every game and, um, you know, wh- wherever it was, his dad always showed up, always called and, uh, you know, called him his hero. And I just, uh, you know, Zoe didn't have to be there today. He didn't and uh, showed up, talked about it. It was a special moment for an hour for him and his family to connect because during this time, how do they, how does he get to Florida? You know what I mean? What do you, what do you do with social distancing? And oh my God. this is, I'm sure it's really hard on the family. So you know, yeah, I just wanted to give our condolences here. No, so I mean, we're we're thinking of you, and you know, I'm going to text him after the show today, and just let him know that I'm thinking of him. And yeah, it's just I just feel so badly for for all the people out there who, you know, let's just say you have you know a, an elderly person in your life, like you can't go see them, healthy or not healthy, like you can't go and and that put it this way, if say I were 90 years old and I had all my family and my family couldn't see me like, my God, like that would just be, that would be like a living hell, whether I'm healthy or not, you know, but like, that's what, that's what life is all about is the connections with the people that you love the most and to not be able to be there either in a time of need or not a time of need. I just, my heart goes out to so many people who, who can't have that connection with, say even you know the the elderly or you know our parents or grandparents or whatever you want to call it like the the people that you want to have the most connection with in a time like this you can't have connection with that's just we've never encountered anything like this and my heart just breaks for for people who are going through and my heart breaks for zoe and and i'm thinking of him and and the whole black family yeah we're, we're all thinking of zoe and just in general everybody in this pandemic you know it's for everyone who's uh, feeling lost or suffering loss, it's like, dude, how do you have a wake? How do you have people together? How do you get this closure? Like, it's something I don't, I never want to even think of experiencing. And um, yeah. you know, obviously, our thoughts are with uh, literally everybody. Uh, yeah. So, not to do a buzzkill on that, on that matter, yeah. I just want, I wanted to bring up those two stories today. Uh, yeah. Before we get into the fun stuff, I want to know what's going on with uh, Matt McCarthy during quarantine, is what I call it here. All right. Uh, so- yeah, so uh, I'm still working, which which I'm really. I'm, yeah, I'm, so you work for what what company again? Do you I work, work for? for? I work for a company called Whoop. We are a uh, you know one of these fitness trackers, uh, kind of a you know like you think your Fitbit stuff like that. Uh, it's a Boston-based tech company, and uh, we create technology that you know allows you to track uh, your body. It's actually really cool. We've uh, we're in the middle of a study with the Cleveland Clinic uh, and uh, a place out in uh, Australia to study how we're examining respiratory rate and whether or not that can be a precursor to uh, COVID-19 symptoms because mm-hmm. the people who are wearing this, we've seen with a lot of them that you know, the people who are wearing this and have been diagnosed with coronavirus, we actually have, in a lot of those cases, have seen their respiratory rate go up before they were symptomatic. So it's actually, it's really, it's like no shit. It's like really cool. It's way mm-hmm. beyond like anything that, I've like, I'm capable. I produce their podcast. So like, I'm not like a science guy. Like I'm just yeah. the audio <laughs> idiot. Like, yeah. uh, but we actually, we had Rory McElroy on our podcast two weeks oh, ago. Right. He wear he wears it. He's like crazy into it. Uh, it's a, it's a really cool piece of technology. Like I'm not, and I'm not like a big fitness person. Like I, I do radio. Like mm-hmm. I'm not, <laughs> like I'm not radio people. I would not exactly consider like the most fit people of all time, but 
yeah, check it out. It's a Boston-based tech company. It's called Whoop, W-H-O-O-P. Uh, check it out, whoop.com. It's actually really cool. So I've been I've been really lucky to still be working. I can do a lot of my work from home, uh, which is great. So that's kept me busy. I mean, I certainly am, am appreciative of them. I'm still working when so many people aren't. Um, that's not lost on me. Other than that, uh, I've just been spending time with with you know my loved ones as much as I can. Uh, I was at home for for most of us. I'm actually currently uh, with my girlfriend and her family right now. We spent Easter together. So my approach was I'll settle in here for two weeks, you know, incubation period, so that I don't go back to you know where I was and then infect people there. Like it's just not something I wanted to do. So I'm here for two weeks. Uh, so I'm here in their basement. Uh, her brother's a professional hockey player. You can see the uh, hockey sticks behind me. Uh, so yeah, he plays in the Islander system. He's a defenseman. Uh, so uh, his season is done right now. But yeah, it's a big hockey playing family. Uh, so I don't exactly uh, fit in with that because I can't skate. Uh, but yeah, they always make fun of my hockey knowledge because they like, you know, know stuff. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, listen, I'm, I'm hanging in there. And, and I think you and I were kind of talking a little bit, you know, before the, before the pod today, Joe, or before the broadcast, like, I'm really trying to view this as an opportunity. Like, when am I ever in my life? Hopefully never. But like, when are we ever going to be able to stay home for a while? Just kind of reset on life? Like, I'm really just trying to view this as, um, as an opportunity. Like, this is our new normal for now. So I'm just kind of trying to optimize it. It's kind of cool. I get, you know, I'm not getting on the commuter rail every day. I'm like thankful for that. I'm still able to do a lot of my work. I'm still able to be around, you know, people that I really care about while also keeping everybody safe. Like it sucks that you can't go to the store without being terrified or without wearing a mask. Like, don't get me wrong, but I'm really trying to like make the most of this and still work, still get out for like walks every day. Like my dog Sammy has been like the real winner in all of this. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, it's it's been it's been good, man. Like, I mean, I, I'm I consider myself very lucky because there are a lot of people out there who do not have it well, who do not have it good right now. And I mean, listen, I'm still working. I'm still like, so am I going to complain about not being able to go, you know, to a sporting event right now? No, because so many people have it way worse than me. I'm really just trying to make the most of it, and I kind of feel like I have been able to do that. So. I'm happy, man. You know, I'm happy. I'm healthy. Everybody around me is still healthy. That's the most important thing. Fingers crossed. Cool. Jeff checking in. Thinks it's cool about whoop. Pat uh, Botello says, hey, guys. Hey. And Pat. Yeah, it is cool. Check it out. And then uh, when do we think uh, sooner than later? I think we both agree a little bit later um, when it comes later. to that. So, Matt, but what golf, have you. Bring that golf back. What have you been doing? Like, what's the one besides work? Like, what's the hobby that you've yep. done the most? What have you been, like, what's your go-to snack at this point? Oh, go-to snack. All right. So, uh, you know what I've started doing? All right. My cholesterol is way too high, uh, 247, uh, because I eat like shit. So, uh, I'm trying, I'm trying to eat healthier. Teddy grams. Teddy mm. grams, they appear to be good. No cholesterol, no trans fat, no none of that. They're very good. Uh, so normally at my place, I don't keep like chocolate candy, stuff like that. Uh, here with my girlfriend and her family, we do have candy. So I've been, uh, kind of crushing all of that. Uh, I've been eating uh, very well too well. Uh, but yeah, Teddy grams, Joe, I'm telling you, like you would, uh, I, I hadn't thought of Teddy grams in 20 years, but there were yeah. Teddy grams here with a few days, a few days ago. I'm like, I gotta try a few of these. I'm like, oh shit, this is really good. So yeah, I've been crushing the Teddy grams. What's your favorite frozen food? Favorite frozen food. Whew. Oh man, that's a good one. I uh, that you, one. I you know what one. I love? I do love. I do love like. I do love like fish sticks. 
Like wow. who doesn't who doesn't love fish? And there's a South Park joke. Like who doesn't love like I, I do love like fro like your fried frozen. I had like some like frozen. Uh, I was going through the freezer. I was like, shit, what is this? Like fish sticks and like uh, I had it. It was great. It was fantastic. Like I I felt like I was eight years old at my grandmother's place again. But it was great. <laughs> uh, what shows have you been watching? All right, so I did start with uh, I did start with Tiger King. My girlfriend had already watched through most of it, but I'm two episodes into Tiger King. What do you think? Holy shit, this is like nor I don't like to generally do the everybody else is watching this thing. So I I generally I'm not like not one of those people. Like I didn't watch Game of Thrones. I did watch Sopranos uh, when it ended, and then I went back and rewatched it. It's like the best show of all time. But I have started watching Tiger King. It's pretty good. Uh, yeah, keep watching. You got you got a long way to go there. Uh, okay, yeah. Uh, I want to ask you, Matt. What is your favorite sports movie? Oh God, that's that's a good one. All right, so I guess I would say you have to say like Field of Dreams, but I would just say that Field of Dreams, like people are like, oh, it's like the greatest baseball movie of all time. It really is not a baseball movie. It's more a movie about life and death, um, and the movie itself isn't that great like the first hour and 40 minutes of field of dreams is like eh, whatever the final 10 minutes incredible it's like one of the best moments in movie history so i mean i'd put field of dreams up there um i, I do like miracle miracles good uh the natural i don't you know i don't know if i have like a, a specific favorite sports movie. i'm probably i'm probably forgetting something but you know what i do love i do love the ken burns baseball documentary i, I was watching that the other night on mlb network like that's like 18 hours of like pure baseball nerdiness which just fits right into what i do <laughs> um and final question uh well my, my favorite baseball my favorite baseball movie is eight men out if you ever you know, i've not seen eight men out i have not, are, there are two baseball movies i have not seen i have not seen eight men out and i have not seen uh bull durham oh yeah uh, dude Dude, go do it. I know. Dude, for? I, have out, I have eight men out and Bull Durham sitting on my DVD okay. shelf at home because eight they men, were given. I've never eight watched. men out's the better movie with better actors, right? Okay, Bull Durham is more like ah, leisure, you know. Right. Both, yeah, both, so, both good. Yeah. Better than Feel the Dreams, in my opinion. Um, yeah, yeah, Feel the Dreams. It's not very good until the end, and then the end is amazing. I and just, I, I just like I like James Earl Jones. When yeah, when he comes baseball, in there, and he, he's uh, it's baseball, Ray. But no, I, I like when he drops him off. Yeah. I just like when he drops him off. He goes, "Moonlight Graham, Moonlight Graham, you seen it?" Yeah, and he's like, "I did." Go the distance, Ray. Go the distance, Ray. That's uh, my favorite part. I like an army of steamroller. I love when Maz does the James Earl Jones. Have you heard Maz read no. James Earl Jones' speech? He did it last year on opening day. He did the America has rolled by like an army of steamrollers, you know, raced over and, you know, rolled over again. It's it's so funny to hear Maz because we think of Maz like squeaky Maz do a James Earl Jones impression. It's pretty good. Uh, final question, Matt. I've been asking every uh, guest that we've had here on I'm Just Sitting Here. Uh, where do you see yourself in five years? I still see myself at the sports hub. I hope that's the case. You know, I still see myself just kind of doing what I'm doing now. Like I'm Joe, I'm so lucky to do what I do. Like, and you know, whether it's in the same capacity that I'm in or a different capacity, I don't know. And, and honestly, I, I don't even really care because who wouldn't love 
to do what we do, to talk about sports, to have a platform to talk about sports. Like I I don't take for granted any single day. Like we turn the mic on there at that studio. I still think I'm crazy lucky to do what I do. Like, I can't believe that I get to do this. I can't believe how I got the job. I can't believe that I'm still there seven years later. Like, you know, and and it's unfortunate now to not be able to 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 get to do the programs there on the weekends right now, which is I totally understand why we're doing it. Where everybody's doing our part to to keep everybody safe. The people that absolutely have to be in there right now. We don't want to put a lot of bodies in that studio. I've missed doing that, which is why I love doing this. I love being on with you. So five years from now, God willing, I'm I'm still at the hub. I'm still talking about Boston sports, and hopefully we're not talking about a really dark era in Boston sports. Because we've been really, really spoiled in the last 20 years and in the last, you know, 10 and a half years of, of the sports of existence. If we're sitting there talking about like the Patriots being irrelevant and the Bruins era being passed and like the Red Sox still being the fucking disaster that they are right now and like the Celtics never really, you know, hitting their potential. Like if we're sitting there in five years and it's a dark time, that's going to fucking suck. I hope we're not doing that, but I hope we're still there talking about it. All right, he is uh, Matt McCarthy of 98.5 The Sports Hub. He also does a podcast called Hardcore Baseball. Uh, hopefully, Hi, that, uh, hopefully that gets picked up yeah. um, at some point. It'll be, back, it'll be back when baseball returns. Hmm. And I'm sure you'll hear a lot more of Matt, um, hopefully over the summer, when everyone's down the Cape, maybe. Yep. I don't know. You I, better I, believe it. I hope. I I hope I really, I really, really. It's like the the mayor from uh, Jaws, right? The beaches will be open this summer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, America's going to reopen. It's going to be great. We're going to have sports. It is like the mayor from Jaws. What fucking times we live in. I'll just say this. I'll just say this. July 31st, I'm going to Taylor Swift, or I'm supposed to. That better fucking happen. (laughs) This was supposed to be the greatest concert summer. Oh, my God. Oh, they were talking about Springsteen touring. It was going to be great. Oh wow! Uh, yeah. Throw that of the yeah, because yeah, the Boston calling. Uh, we got the uh, the what else was it? Uh, oh, fucking uh, who else was it? Motley Crue was going to be there. I think the Foo yeah. Fighters were playing. Aerosmith yeah. was going to be here. It was it was going to be a uh, whatever. Maybe, maybe they'll they'll shoot it. They'll, maybe they'll shoot again for it um, in a year or so. All right, he's on uh, Matt McCarthy. Go back to work. Tell everybody at Whoop. Uh, we said hello uh, again. Now follow him on Twitter at Matt McCarthy 985. Matt, this will be posted on Facebook Live uh, and also on Twitter, and we're going to put it on YouTube so everybody can have the, the video forever and ever, and it will live on uh, always. So, Matt, appreciate you for being my guest today, and uh, I will be talking to you uh, this weekend on the Weekender Show on YouTube at two o'clock. It'll be a blast, Joe. Thanks for having me. This was like seriously some of the most fun I've had in a long time. This was a blast. I miss doing shows with you, uh, and I miss I miss you know obviously everything that that happens with the real world. But I hope you're doing well. Uh, I hope uh, I hope Nikki's doing well, and I hope everybody out there who's uh, watching, listening, stay safe, stay healthy. Don't be a fucking jackass. Like really seriously social distance consider you know take on your own personal responsibility but yeah reach out at matt mccarthy 98.5 and uh and we'll be back soon hopefully so uh, everybody stay safe and joe this has been a blast thanks a lot for having me and thanks to everybody for being a part of it all right he's matt mccarthy at matt mccarthy 985 thanks matt and i will be uh, talking to you soon my man uh so thanks for matt for joining the show today we did a lot of uh personal stuff that's kind of what i wanted to do with this podcast is uh, kind of get to know each other uh, you know try to get to know everybody a little bit better 
uh, get their story. Obviously, when we're on the radio, it's we're either, you know, stuck a, as a third wheel or, you know, when we're working a weekend shift that maybe not a lot of people get to hear us. So, um, you know, for the most part, I think it's uh, pretty good to get everybody on here. Um, <laughs> this is kind of funny. A bunch of these just came in, so I haven't been able to read these yet. But, Joe, would you consider uh, you're the Bruce Springsteen of the sports, Chubb? um things were just getting interesting people said uh joe you're the shoeless joe jackson of the sports show thank you matt looking jacked have you been lifting uh looks like you got huge traps matt so that was uh all the comments that we didn't bring up uh that matt can see on facebook uh just a little bit later uh, i just wanted to bring up what else we have going on this week uh, we have matt mccarthy today uh tomorrow we'll have sean silver uh, he'll be on the show um, tomorrow. Uh, and then, of course, we'll have Ryan Johnston on with us as well uh, for the rest of the week. This is the lineup that we have going. I'm uh, going to try to keep everybody up to date on who we have. A lot of the sports of guys talking to some other guys in Boston as well. Again, maybe some EEI guys lined up as well, you know, if there's time, if uh, if they can do it. So this is what we have for the schedule coming up at the, uh, the, end, of the uh, end of the week here. And, of course, next week we're doing a ton of of draft stuff it's going to be a hell of a week uh when it comes to uh when it comes to the draft as well and tomorrow i'm going to recap the dark side uh, of wrestling i was going to do it today but i'll do it tomorrow we'll have sean silver he's a wrestling guy as well so i wanted to thank everybody who chimed in uh we're going to try to do this every day at noon unless something happens with the schedule who knows and again next week all draft content as well tomorrow what is today it's kind of like I forget what day. Today's, today's Wednesday. Okay. Tomorrow's Thursday. So I'll be on Toucher and Rich at 7 a.m. tomorrow morning. We're going to do some gambling stuff. There's a food eating contest this week. And I am pumped to, to see if we can bet on that. And then the horse tournament as well. So that's it for me today. We did 90 minutes. I want to thank Matt McCarthy. Uh, again, you can find out all our shows. They stream now, Spotify, Google Play, you name it, on YouTube. You can watch all the videos as well, and on Facebook Live and on Twitter. It has been fun. Thanks to everybody. We'll uh, check up, check in with you tomorrow. We'll have Sean Silver on the show. I'm Joe Murray, just sitting here. We'll talk to you then.